0: Welcome to the Fly Fish Local podcast, featuring local anglers fishing on local waters for local species. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of Fly Fish Local. My name is Drew Morgan, and uh, again, thanks for downloading and and listening. And um, this is the third interview of the Fly Fish Local series. And I think you're really going to find this one interesting. Probably one of the fastest growing uh, species as far as interest-wise in fly fishing is is the striped bass or striper or stripe, uh, as you'll hear people call them. They're accessible. They get big. Like I said, they're probably within 30 miles of wherever you're at. You can find a lake in the south. It's a good bet that, that they've been stocked, and they're a lot of fun on a fly rod. But catching them is, is tough. It is. It's, it's not the easiest species to chase with a fly rod. And this episode features uh, an, an angler who has really patterned them out, especially in deep lakes, fishing deep with a fly rod which is something that I've talked to a lot of people and something that kind of um, is, is baffling a lot of people out there. But, but this guy's doing it. His name's Daniel Roberts and you can find him on Instagram. Uh, it, it, he's a great follow. And we talk about this in the conversation. Um, he's a great follow on Instagram. Uh, he posts a lot of really interesting stuff. But Daniel has, like I said, really patterned out deep water striper. I mean, I'm talking 30, 40 feet deep with a fly rod and is catching some really nice striper. And so in this episode, you're going to hear a conversation that I had with Daniel about just that, about how to fish deep water lakes for striper. So if you're close to Lanier in North Georgia or Lake Martin in East Alabama or, or Smith Lake or you know some of the smaller deep water lakes um, in North Georgia, North Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina. You know uh, Daniels located in Arkansas. Like I said, probably for most of us in the South, especially a good striper fishery is not too far away. So most of us sometimes when we think of fly fishing for stripe, we we think of doing it in the rivers when they get up in the river and certain times of year. Or you know tailwater fisheries where maybe they're always in a river and they're not as deep. But the interesting thing about this, like I said, is Daniels figured out a way to fish for in deep, and uh, he really opens up to share insights and things he's learned as far as gear and tackle and lines and how to get that fly down deep, and then how to keep it in the water column, which uh, which is is not an easy thing to do. But but Daniel really shares some good information for that. So anyway um, very excited about this one I myself learned a lot I, I you know and I admit in the conversation i'm I'm not a great and I don't I mean I don't even really I should try more um, uh, for deep water stripe but I, after this conversation I think I'm going to do a lot more so um, anyway uh, we will uh, start the conversation with Daniel well uh, Daniel thanks for Uh, talking with me man i appreciate you taking a few uh, minutes out your day and uh talking about striper especially
1: yeah man no problem
0: uh so all right you're in arkansas and uh in, in fayetteville uh tell me about your your fishery there and um where you're you know kind of where you're fishing and maybe the unique characteristics of of uh the fisheries there that are around you
1: so a lot of our stuff is based on different seasons um just like it is anywhere else, we'll, we'll flip-flop between rivers and doing smallmouth and stuff like that in the summertime, and then uh, or fishing real deep in lakes, and then especially during the springtime, we're, uh, we're pretty lucky and we have a lot of fish that run up in creeks and the lakes, um, but like I said, it's kind of all based on rivers, um, at least during the summertime, and then wintertime, we get up in the lakes and uh, we can even fish some some rivers and stuff like that in the winter time too, but um, it's all based on water temperatures and fish following the shad for sure.
0: Okay, yeah. So, I guess geography wise, if you're in Fayetteville, you've got the Arkansas River to the south, you've got the White River to the east, and then uh, what's to the what's to the north? Is isn't there a uh, chain of lakes or something like that to the north or?
1: So to the north of us, um. At least, I mean, most of the stuff that I fish up north is going to be, uh, like the White River and the North Fork River. Okay. Uh, most of the stuff that I do up north is, uh, is trout fishing. Okay. Cool.
0: Um, so what are, you know, so obviously, well, and you know, your Instagram feed is, is pretty awesome. And if, if people aren't following you, they, they definitely should on Instagram. Um, and you mentioned trout, but. You know, by far, you are targeting bass or anything. And um, how did you get into, to you know, specifically kind of targeting more warm water species with, with fly rods uh, in that area?
1: Man, it all kind of started some from probably the rock originally. Okay. And uh, my dad's a big bass fisherman. <clears throat> and so I was always kind of raised with a, uh, like a spinning rod or a bait caster in my hand until I was probably... I don't know, seven or eight years old. Yeah. And uh, I really grew up fishing the Arkansas River, so like real muddy water.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: fishing jetties and backwaters and things like that. And um, basically, he, he put a five weight in my hand and uh, like a Clouser minnow. Um, and we just started hitting jetties and catching spotted bass and brim. Yeah, and, uh, and then we got into like freshwater drum and stuff like that. And that, nice. that pretty much lit the fire for sure.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, so that's, that's everybody I talked to and not even on like, you know, this podcast. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the standard thing in the South is, you know, grew up fishing conventional stuff and somebody at one point put a fly out of my hand and, you know, I, I've never looked back. Um, exactly. Yeah. So it's pretty cool that, that you kind of say the same and. Um, so you're, you know, and if, again, if anybody follows you on Instagram, uh, you've got some just pictures of massive striper. And I I saw, I saw a picture of your personal best a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, man. That was Um, a, that was a crazy, that was a crazy deal just in general. Honestly, that was a, that was a weird story.
0: Yeah. So tell, so that's interesting. So, uh. Five and a half hour fight is that what I saw on Instagram?
1: Yeah, which a lot of people <laughs> I got to, I I caught a lot of flack for that to be honest with you. A lot of people uh, were kind of commenting and stuff and saying like, "Oh, I've caught you know such and such fish and I've landed it in ten minutes," you know. <laughs> but uh, which I totally get because I'd probably I'd probably have the same reaction if I saw it.
0: Well, what uh, was the size of the fish first of all? Before let's preface it with.
1: It was uh, it was a stripe, right? thirty pound striper.
0: Thirty pound.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, but, man, it was like... That's a big fish. It's just... It was one of those freak deals that I really couldn't really describe to you how it happened. Because uh, I've caught, like, 26s and 27s before. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I hooked that fish on the bank. And, uh, I mean, he ran out to the... Basically, to the, like, middle of the channel and just stuck to the bottom. Really? It, it was like he was hung in something, but I he never really was because... Uh, I would basically just um, like troll him around with the boat. Huh. Just keep him tight with uh, like tied to the line and. Um, yeah. It was, it was just a weird deal. I mean, it was like I just couldn't pull him off. The so he
0: was just like suction, not suction, but just hanging tight to something.
1: Yeah, it and, was like he was literally hanging in this one water column and just wouldn't come out of it.
0: So he were you like, like right over him in the boat?
1: Yeah, I was, I mean, I was basically square up with the fish the entire fight.
0: That's crazy. But,
1: and the <laughs> only way, uh, so literally five and a half hours in, I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah, now. well, that's, I mean. Part of this. <laughs> so I didn't really care at that point if uh, if I broke him off or what. So I finally, um, I just reeled down and uh, had the rod straight down into the water and cranked down my drag real tight. And literally pulled the fish off the bottom.
0: That's nuts, man.
1: With my reel. Like, just started pulling him off the bottom. And he, he just kind of started floating up. It was bizarre.
0: That is weird. That is, it's almost like he was, he had wedged himself or something. And then, I don't know, I mean, who knows. But, man, that's, yeah. that's. I mean, it's almost like you were, like, bottom fishing, like, deep sea fishing. like a big
1: Yeah, exactly. Or something. That's That's crazy. Would, uh, You'd think that a ten way could pretty much handle anything you find and fight them pretty quickly, but I guess not that one at least.
0: That's nuts. That's really crazy. So you're so that was in a lake, right? Right.
1: right. That was in Beach lake.
0: So you know, I'm I'm gotten and mainly where I am, um, it's in rivers and spring, and so. But I, I know a lot of people who are really interested in trying to catch striper in a lake, and and I'll preface all this with saying every lake's different. And you know, there's different strains of striper, and and I really think you know striper in each lake behave a little differently. Definitely, um, you know, Lake Martin striper in the summer they get really deep. Uh, there's not really, I mean, you you may see them uh, chasing shad and stuff early in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, but I know people who've tried to catch them on top, and um, and there may be some out there who has caught one or two, but uh, there's nobody doing it doing it with success on top, right. and. Um, pretty much lake martin the only you know you you can fish at night uh and fish green lights which, which is a lot of fun but you're you're doing it during the day and and catching some really nice fish so um you know i guess what what do you feel like you're doing to make yourself successful in these lakes for striper
1: a lot of it is um basically just locating main lake points and uh and really relying hard on uh, on the like the sonar technologies mm-hmm. I've got on my boat. I've got one of those garmin uh, it's a seven inch garmin uh, with the structure scan and just the normal sonar yeah. on. Um, it has to do a lot with man the biggest deal with right now we just had a big shad spawn on Beaver Lake and so uh, they see so many shad all day long that huh. you have to find you have to find like some structure along with those shad so whereas most of the time during the year if you can find shad you can pretty much find fish but there's so many shad right now that it gets a little tricky uh, so huh. when the winds rise like this you really i mean at least for stripers you're trying to locate structure on uh, on deep shelves and things like that
0: Huh. so when you say structure like uh like flooded timber or
1: yeah, um, flooded timber, and uh, we fish a lot of rocks, a lot of rock piles, and things like that. We really try to locate rocks for sure.
0: So what what's the de- like the average depth you're fishing, per se? I
1: would say, man, for most of our nicer fish during the summer, we fish anywhere from probably twenty to forty feet. Wow. So that's that's really our range where I try to at least keep the boat. Um, yeah. And we're rock piles and the you know the tops of the rocks will be 15 25 feet deep but um but we try to stay in that range
0: so this is a pretty deep lake um yeah absolutely
1: it's you know it's 140 feet deep in some places
0: would you say it's it's pretty clear water as well yeah
1: yeah uh, man during like july and august i mean you can see down 15 feet 15 20 feet like no problem
0: okay so this is i mean you know, it's not a stretch to say, you know, Lanier, Martin, at least in my area, Lanier, Martin, Smith Lake, um, because they're all kind of deeper, you know, clear, clearer lakes. Um, so when you're talking about flooded timber or brush piles in 24 feet away, I, I think I know what a lot of people out there are thinking when they hear that. How in the world do you get a flaw line, uh, you know, at... 20 to 40 feet deep. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's cause it's going Go yeah.
1: <laughs> So man, it's one of those deals that, um, you know, a lot of people run by us, like, and we'll be fishing in the middle of the lake and people will just be pointing at us because <laughs> it, like, people, you know, it's one of those deals like you're just casting at nothing. Yeah. Uh, you kind of got to rely on your, your graphs and you cast out in the middle where you think the drop off is and you just let it soak um you strip it back real slow that's another big another big key uh for summertime is trying to fish it a little bit slower that that seems to work for me for sure
0: see and i feel like that's that's a different than conventional wisdom uh with most people you know at least people i've had on on my boat sometimes and they feel like they've just got to really rip something through you know and and um but man kudos to you like Fishing, I mean that that takes a lot of patience. Um, it
1: takes a lot of patience for sure. And like yeah. you
0: said, I mean and I think it's cool, like I, you know, and I don't know if I've ever told anybody who uh uses, you know, or is using electronics like you and fly fishing. Um right. you know, you you seem to really have kind of meld together the conventional electronics, you know, kind of being able to know what's underneath you but then also find a way to 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 use a fly rod to do that. I think that's really cool.
1: Most definitely. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's become very important in the last couple of years or so.
0: So you're, all right. So you're out in middle Lake, right. And you're, you're casting. So what, I mean, are, I guess, I mean, the, the fly has got to be weighted.
1: Right. Yeah. So man, what I mostly do is, um, I'll pretty much carry my eight, nine and 10 weight with me. And, um, like real early in the morning, I'll have a floating line spooled up on my eight weight, just in case we have some top water action. But even during the summer, uh, you'd have to be out there, you know, probably an hour before sunrise to really get any yeah. kind of good top water action. Um, and then most of the time we get hit by wind on those main lake points around that time. Yeah. So it kind of shuts that down for the most part. Um, so I, I tend to have like an intermediate sink on my eight weight and my nine weight I'll have, uh. The Scientific Angler, uh, their Sonar Titan, it's their Intermediate uh, 3 and 5.
0: Okay.
1: It's their new triple density fly line. Um,
0: Okay.
1: I've just, I've really like fallen in love with those over the past year. Yeah, man. I put them in the hands of people that have basically never casted sinking lines. uh, And they can just, I mean, they just fling them out there all the way to the bank. Um, and then my 10 weight, I'll put my deep sinker on. So I'll do that sonar Titan. It's a type three, type five and type seven. Okay. That one's sinking real fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, now are these like the integrated shooting head type lines that, you know, are essentially like a Skagit line or this more of a traditional fly
1: line? It's, uh, they design them to where, well, they have their Titan taper on them. So basically they... They design them to where they cast like, um, like one of their MPX tapers, like more of a, uh, more of like a traditional trout floating line. So okay. it's a little easier to cast, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, just like any, any good sinking line, you know, you're not going to be doing a bunch of false casts with it. Yeah. It's more like yeah. you swing it one time and then just, just haul like it she... and let it go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you're, I mean, you're trying to get, I mean, to get it deep you've got to get a lot of line out Um, right
1: exactly Um, so
0: you're casting pretty much probably as far as you can
1: right exactly that's really i've figured out in the last five years or so that's the biggest difference maker when you're fishing a clear Mm -hmm. lake especially during the summertime is uh i mean fishing well getting your cast out there anywhere between 90 and like 105 feet yeah like getting it as far as the line will take you
0: now, do you find, especially in clear water, do you find, like, you know, the color of your line or if you're using a sink, you know, if you've, uh, well, I guess you're, you're using full sinks, but let's just say, like, right. let's say that the fish aren't as deep as that and you're using more of a intermediate-type line with a sink tip, you know, do you find that the, the color of the line makes a difference or, or you know, the presentation or are you just really kind of, you know, chucking and ducking and... And letting, trying to get as much out there and then you're kind of pulling in slack and making it nice and neat um
1: man that's that a uh, that's a debate that my buddy and i have always talked about and a lot of people that i've fished with is like i'll go with people and they're like the color of the line is really hurting you you know like the line is too thick or the line's the wrong yeah. color and stuff like that so that's one of those debates that we've never really come to a conclusion on um like i can't ever say that I've seen a striper, you know, in twenty feet, and like cast it over them and have them spook because of the line color. Yeah, uh, but I definitely think it plays a role. Like, I think if we could, if we could somehow develop some type of clear, uh, tungsten core sinking line, that it would make a difference for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, the you know, as a southern fly you know fly angler we take a lot of stuff from the conventional guys because we work you know and still are conventional guys you know i mean we're not oh yeah we're we're not purists and you know they're not necessarily i mean most you know conventional lines clear you know fluorocarbon especially in those clear lakes and and deeper (laughs) stuff and which is virtually invisible but um you know i mean and i know they've got there's some fly line now that that's kind of supposed to be clear um and I've seen some stuff that scientific, scientific anglers has with that. Um, yeah, you know, and I don't, I mean, I. who knows? I mean, I think it's more, sometimes I think it's more of, of vibration, you know, if that line's giving off a vibration when it's going through the water. Or, you Absolutely, know, or, yeah. Especially if you're fishing shallower. Like with me, with, with, with green light uh, fishing, you know, it's really important that um, you get a nice splat and you don't have a whole lot of, you know, a pile cast line, just kind of hitting the water all at once, and um, but you know with with fishing deeper, which is something you know I'll admit I don't I don't do a whole lot of, and it's fascinating to me. I just didn't know if it if it would matter. So that, so you're you're casting out. About how long do you have to wait before you do anything? So you're letting it soak for like, you know, ten seconds or so, or longer, but,
1: Yeah, so what I generally try to do is, um, man, I'll try to get, like, probably 30 or 40 feet out from the bank itself, uh, and I'll try to fish that drop, that initial, like, first bank drop, and I try to mark fish on my graph before I really start casting a whole lot. That's cool. I know there's good structure in the area, Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll... Basically, just try to let it sink to where I'm marking fish. But if I don't, I just try to let it hit about the middle of the water column because those fish are going to, you know, have tendencies to come up for us. Um, So anywhere from, you know, with my real deep sinkers, most of the time I really don't have to wait that long, maybe like five or six seconds.
0: So you know Uh, your sink rate of your line.
1: Yeah, for the most yeah. part. Um, when you first get them out of the box, they sink differently from when, you know, you've used them for like a year and a half, obviously, just because like coatings are gone and yeah. waterlogged and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, they're pretty true to their actual sink rate on the box, definitely.
0: So, and then you mentioned earlier then, so once you're, uh, you know, you've sunk it to the right depth, you're fishing slower than what people would actually think?
1: I think so. Um, yeah, okay. I genuinely think that, uh, I fish a lot slower during the summer than I do during the springtime, okay. just because, uh, they're on a lot more of a ferocious bite during the during the springtime, yeah. yeah. or during the summer. It's like I said, especially during a time like right now when uh, we just had a shad spawn and they've got so many options for for meals.
0: Yeah, they can be really selective. I guess
1: exactly. You got to really like you almost need to slow it down in my opinion. Now, a lot of people have conflicting ideas. They think you just need to like burn it through there. Yeah. And I, know that, that definitely works for some people, but, um, I mean, I've just had so many experiences at least during the summertime where, um, I'll stop to like take a drink of water or something huh. and that I get my hit, uh, that's when cool the fly car. is not moving at yeah. all. So well,
0: it's probably diving.
1: Exactly. You know, and I mean, though, and that's another point that I wanted to make is, um, really heavy sinking lines, and weightless flies. Um, I fish all my flies weightless most of the time. Okay. Bad patterns.
0: So you want the line to be what pulls it or what sinks it. and then Exactly. I guess you yep. feel like the weightless flies probably move a little bit better.
1: The weightless flies move a lot better in the water, and they'll actually sit in the water column just completely still, which you can't get out of huh. basically any conventional tackle at all. Now, you can with some jerk baits and yeah. things like that.
0: But not that deep,
1: right? Not that deep. Um, that's And not that small. And something that moves with like marabou or a fox tail or something like that. Yeah, that's what makes the biggest difference. Is it'll just sit there in the water. But
0: it's still moving.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's cool. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction. I mean, people all the time ask me, like, you know, are you man? Why you, you know you make it hard for yourself? But I mean, there are some advantages to uh using what we happen to call flies which honestly most of the stuff we use now like you know not not a little fly but anyway exactly (laughs) but yeah i mean so with this you can use with a fly rod it can be sitting still but still moving whereas a jerk bait is a hard body just you know it is what it is and um that's cool um how so what 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 size like what's the average size of of uh like bait fish pattern are you using like are you and trying to match the, kind of the shad that? That's right, in the exactly. That's okay.
1: yeah. That's that's a huge, um, that's a huge deal. Of what really dictates what size flies I'm using is like what stage the shad are in on their spawn uh, and their like growth development. Um, but most of the time, I'm using flies that are you know really no bigger than about three or four inches. Okay. Like it doesn't get much bigger than that. Yeah. And I guess that's the, that's probably yeah. the
0: standard, the average size of a shad.
1: Exactly. You know? Yeah, and you know most of those striper guides out there, floating balloons, they're they like to buy those really big, um, the big Alabama shad or the gizzard shad yeah. or whatever. They can you know they can get all the way up to twelve inches. Yeah. Um, but those are just uh, I've tied some really big ones before, and uh, they just they get so cumbersome to throw yeah. that. It just it doesn't seem like it's worth it in the end. to be Yeah, honest.
0: I, I agree. I agree. I you know I'm. I mean, you hear big fish, you know, big bait, big fish. But then you know, if the forage is three to four inches, you know, if you can match that, then I mean, I, I think with bass, I mean, there's definitely the reaction strikes and there's definitely the the eats that just you make that bass mad and it just eats it. You know, um, and. In my experience, I mean, you can never catch fish like that, but if you can match the forage, then it's definitely, you know, and that's no surprise, it's it's more productive. But,
1: exactly, um, yeah.
0: So, like, you know, if you're talking weightless, to 34 inches, like, you know, EP minnows and... Uh, EP
1: minnows, yeah, I tie a lot of stuff that's uh, that looks a lot like EP minnows, yeah. but uh, I most of the time I do them with, like, a dubbing body of some type, and I'll keep them really thin. That way, they look like an actual shad in the water, uh, and they kind of cut and dart a little bit more than
0: yeah
1: basic stuff. Um, it makes a big difference, and that's the sure. hard
0: thing about those EP minnows too. And, and I teach flat every now and then, and uh, I like to teach that one because it's a good generic pattern. But it's really easy to use too much fiber in those, and when you do, they get way too thick, and it's just like a little you know ball of fiber in the water, and it's not really right. Anything. Exactly, so yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, are you your fly? Are you, you are you coloring them pretty natural, or um, are there certain colors that you know work better certain times of the year, or you know just natural shad looking color?
1: Yeah, I try to keep everything pretty natural, almost all year long. I really don't throw anything super out of color. I mean, I will throw some stuff, like I'll throw an all white bait fish with like the head section of it being all chartreuse. And that'll that'll do well in the fall, um, but most of the time I'm just throwing like a standard white body with a gray back yeah. on it, um, mm-hmm. and that's you know I just feel really confident in that, and that's what I've had all my hits on. So I just kind of one of those people that likes to tie all types of different things, but yeah. when it comes to actually using it, I'm like, man, yeah. I've got anything today. I should go back to the one that I know does catch.
0: Man, them. I'm I'm the same way, dude. I'll I'll see something on YouTube and I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Let me go tie that. And it just gets in my box. I never use it and I always just go back to those old standards.
1: Definitely. <laughs> I'm like yeah, I just need exactly.
0: to tie what I know works.
1: Right. You just gotta have a so. hundred of those in your box and that way you'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Um well that man, that's really interesting. You know, I think the cool thing about striper and yeah, I mean, I think people realize it, but you know, they're they're essentially saltwater fish that are exactly. land- landlocked. And right. so, but the cool thing about it is, and the potential is that, you know, any, well, most lakes, especially in the South have been stocked with these things and, you know, it takes some work and it takes some time and it takes to get on the water, but I mean, there's potential for, for people, you know, in the middle of the continental United States to go out and, and catch a nice striper on a fly rod, you know, without having to drive down to the beach, you know, Absolutely. So There there's yeah. big fish potential right in your backyard, which I think is I- the big draw with striper. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the depth is different. And so, all right, so let's go back. All right. So we've casted, we've let it sink. We've talked about fly. Um, are, are, is the bite, uh, a a violent bite? Is it a very subtle bite? Does it feel like you're hung? Does it, you know, so so talk about the moment or, you know, does it vary? It might vary, but
1: again, uh, you know, man, you're fishing that
0: deep, I, I, you know, it, when I'm fishing deep, it, sometimes it's harder to, to kind of tell what's going on. So,
1: Yeah, so it'll vary on the time of the year. Um, during the summertime, the bite's just not quite as violent. Now, granted, we don't catch as many during the summertime, but um, yeah. at least during the springtime, it's like you hit a bank, and when you stick a fish, it's... When you're stripping, like... The way I like to do it is is short and quick, uh, and okay. like very varying the way that you do it so doing like real short ones and then do like a couple slow ones and stuff like that okay and when you get when you get hit it's basically it feels like you hit a log in the middle of the water column and it just completely stopped and then you almost immediately know you have fish just because you know you couldn't be hung
0: yeah
1: Uh, you've got about half a second for you to look down at your line at your feet and, like, figure out if you're ready (laughs) to fish to send all that line through your guides.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I'd say, you know, in the the river, uh, I'd say it's the same, you know, except you could be hung. And so I feel like every time, you know, me or somebody on my boat catches one, there's like two or three seconds where, like, oh, I might be hung on a rock. But you know pretty soon because it it takes off. Um, Yeah. But it is that feeling. I mean, they they hit it pretty hard, um, and, Definitely. Uh, and it's I mean that your 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 line just immediately stops, and uh, right. almost like it was on a rock. So yeah, and you know we fish
1: a lot of points and stuff like that that have flooded timber. So I can't tell you how many times that uh, we've like set really hard into yeah. into trees in thirty feet of water. Yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is why those EP minnows are nice because they're super cheap and super easy to tie. Yeah, exactly. So, See like
1: I have a problem. I tie all my own stuff so when I lose them. I'm like, nope, we're getting down to this one. <laughs> I'd tell you what. I have a tip for anybody fishing lakes out there with flies is uh go to Academy Sports and get you one of those uh one of those weighted I call them hound dogs, but they're uh they're those lure retrievers. Huh, with yeah. Big head weight on them. Man, I have saved more flies with those things over huh. the years than I can count.
0: That's a good. Yeah, that's that's a good piece of advice. That's something I haven't thought about doing. I've seen them before. I've never thought about it.
1: They are money. It's one of those things you look at and you're like, that thing doesn't work. But I yeah. grew up using one of those things with my dad on the Arkansas River, just getting jigs unhung out of rocks and stuff like that. And it, I mean, I can't tell you how many flies it saved me.
0: Huh. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, well, so you mentioned 10 weight. Is uh, you know that is that your pretty standard uh, size rod? 10 weight um most of the
1: time uh you know during the peak of the season when i know the stripers are really out and about i throw my 10 weight pretty much exclusively just because i i just personally don't love hooking big stripers on my eights yeah uh, like my eight or even my nine it just yeah. um the fight just gets difficult and it's that time of the year where you never really know when you could hook like a 60 pounder and yeah. i just i want to do that on my eight weight and
0: foot lake. so well I mean you know in eight weights more for a large, you know, black black bass species exactly. or a redfish. It's not really for a you know a, a big fish. So Yeah. Um so what I guess uh, maybe another question I had uh was, was with line and leader. Um you know I, I've heard some guys say that when they fish streamers or anything subservice they go with a shorter uh shorter leader to tip it but then I've heard some people say sometimes longer, what, what do you seem to prefer as far I typically,
1: as like, uh, man, I'll use really, really long leaders for the most part. Yeah, I'm using okay. leaders that are, um, so I furl a lot of my own leaders just to turn over big flies.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and so off of that, those will typically be anywhere from three to four feet long. And then I'll have like probably six or seven feet of, uh, just like a fluorocarbon leader typically. Okay the end of that um so they're generally oh they probably hang around i mean 10 or 12 feet a little bit longer than your rod right exactly
0: which is which is long like you said um definitely do you feel like that just gives you a little bit more stealth um or i guess you know um do you do you know why that seems to work better uh, yeah, so I, I do go. it
1: really for two reasons. Um, one, I would say that it kind of eliminates what we were talking about before, where like, does the line color scare them?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it yeah. at least gives you, you know, an extra 10 feet between potentially like a blue line and the beginning of that fly right there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. The other thing that it does, especially when you're fishing weightless flies, it makes a big difference. hmm um, just because it'll allow that that fly to stay in that water column, whereas if you keep it shorter, um, yeah, the line is going to keep pulling it down or bringing it up the water column, so it won't. It's not going to float quite as much as it would uh, with a short leader.
0: Huh? Yeah, and and definitely fluorocarbon. You mentioned that, and um, you know, around here, I, I've been trying to tell people too that that if you're fishing anything slope surface, that's what you want to do, even though it might. It might cost a little bit more at the store, and it might not seem worth it. It's definitely worth it. Um, definitely, yeah. And and you need to know the difference in, in materials and, and mono and, you know, polycarbonate type stuff and then fluorocarbon. Um right. You know, you're not going to get as much, you know, there, there's not as much stretch, but it's, you know, there's very good abrasion resistance. Yeah, definitely. Invisible in the water, sinks. I mean, it's just, it's what you have to do with streamer.
1: Yeah. So...
0: Uh, well before we go, you mentioned topwater and I think that's that might have piqued some people's interest. Um what are you doing for topwater? Like uh like like what size plugs are you are you casting, you know, what um, cause, uh because I you know, me personally, I, I've been fishing for a while. I haven't had the, the chance to catch one on top, so that's that's pretty interesting.
1: Right. Um, you know, it's kinda of funny. Uh most of the time the way we fish the lake is like we kind of do it in a, uh, in like a two man band, uh, style. So I typically fish a lot of the deep stuff. And, uh, my buddy is the one that really actually got me on Beaver Lake for the first time. Uh, my buddy, Eric Gallimore, he, uh, he owns a restaurant up here in Fayetteville and, um, uh, it was, you know, it was one of those weird deals where I met him on Instagram and I was like, Hey, if you ever want to go fish, let me know. That's I was cool. like a sophomore in college and, uh, he's really the one that likes to fish the top a whole lot Lot yeah. he, he with that. And he has a lot of success um, throwing like some big eight weights with um, a big
0: pole dancer type stuff.
1: Yeah. We'll throw pole dancers. And then he, uh, man, he likes to throw those wiggle minnows and stuff yeah. like that. Well, he does really well with those, but I have, I can tell you a whole lot of my success is definitely credited to him just yeah. because we've, uh, we've kind of, matched up together and uh and tried to conquer a lot of the lake
0: yeah I, yeah I, you say his name and, and i've seen a lot of uh like like you know your pictures on on instagram and stuff uh he's been kind of posted to him and linked to him in there so that's cool man i mean that's cool that i feel like in the south you, you need a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of support um
1: definitely yeah especially with, with stripers man it's like if we could have 10 people on the lake every morning you know we could we could figure out where they were schooling every morning yeah because um, I'm pretty confident that somewhere on the lake, those stupid fish school every morning, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. up on top. But we just, it's one of those it's things amazing. where you just don't find them very often. Yeah,
0: and, you know, I mean, I think with striper, and this is what I tell people a lot, and, and it might be different for you because you've really patterned them out really well, which is really cool. But um, sometimes it's like swinging for a home run. I mean, you're, you know, you might strike out, but you may hit a home run, and it's going to be awesome.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about musky fishing. It's like the fish of a thousand or ten thousand casts yeah. or whatever. Uh, the striker's just as bad as that <laughs> on a on a lake sick. Yeah.
0: I can imagine, dude.
1: It's it's just unreal. It's I mean, at least there for a while when we didn't really know the lake when Eric and I would go out, uh, I mean, we would we'd go three or four trips without hardly catching any fish yeah. and really like not catching a striper but every month or two months yeah and uh and we finally started dialing them in a little bit uh so it you know it takes time and it takes patience
0: yeah and you uh, got to get out there um definitely and it's something and i think that's what's cool about using a fly rod too is that you know it it, it, it it's a lot more rewarding because it does take a little more effort a little more time a little more thought and uh but, man, I, how's that feeling when you when you catch one on, on a fly and there's, like, a bait a bait fisherman, like, you know, next to in the lake and they look over at you and you're, like, holding up a fish. That's got to feel pretty good.
1: <laughs> man, it's just fun. It was, uh, we really experienced that a lot this past spring yeah. uh, because one of the creeks that we were fishing uh, is where a lot of the striper guides were, a lot of the bait guides. Yeah. We would just, I don't know, we caught probably 10 one day. And we were just ripping them out of there, and the guys were trolling past us like as close as they could. Uh, and their guy, awesome. it was all their clients kept talking about us and stuff, you know. But it's it's nice to get a win every once in a while because most of the time it's the other way
0: around. Yeah, for sure. yeah, man. I yeah, that's that's definitely for sure. Um, I definitely understand what you say there. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick up a fly rod, you gotta be prepared to 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 put some work into it. Yeah, but if it's what makes it fun, you know. And, uh, at least in my opinion, you know, I've caught fish on conventional gear and I've caught fish on live bait and I kind of deep down know that, you know, I mean, it's fun. There's nothing wrong with it, but I know I can do it. Um, but to me, and I think you'd agree the the draw of using fly rods is kind of that extra, just that extra challenge and just.
1: Absolutely. It's, well, I mean, it's just like deer hunting, you know, like I don't deer hunt a whole lot, but you know, that's why people like to bow hunt. You you can, you can take your rifle out there and kill a deer. 120 or 200 yards or you can stock them and get them up into like 40 or 50 yards that way. So it's the same kind of deal.
0: Cool, man. Well, this has been really interesting and, uh, and I've learned a lot myself. So, uh, I appreciate you being willing to open up and and talk about what you're doing. And, um, I've mentioned a lot, but, um, like I said, you can find Daniel on Instagram um if you uh is uh, daniel roberts nine isn't that yep is it?
1: that's it yeah for sure
0: uh daniel Daniel roberts nine it's, it's he's a great follow and um you know when you're sitting at work on you know during the week and you see him post a big picture it'll it'll, a big <laughs> picture, it'll make you feel real good about yourself but uh no nah, but it's good man and, and i appreciate what you're doing up there and uh we need to go we need to go fish together at some point. definitely
1: i'm down to do it whenever for sure
0: yeah maybe i could get up there and come fish with you and then uh we could you could come down here and fish in the spring yeah today. that sounds nice all right man i appreciate it
1: yeah no problem man no problem